Hi, this is Russell. Welcome to A Life in Music, the podcast dedicated to performers who want to be their very best. I've spent my life working in an industry I love, professionally since the age of eight years old. I love what I do, and I'm still as passionate today as I have ever been. This industry is full of ups and downs, but it's still a wonderful industry, and A Life in Music is here to support performers with interviews from creatives to artists, behind-the-scenes insights, tips and tricks, and as much support as I can give to help you become the very best you can be. Now I've something to ask you. There are three ways in which you can help me reach more people. This not only benefits others, but also gives me the opportunity of getting great content to you. The more listeners I have, the more weight this platform has, and this in turn gives me my opportunities of getting even more great interviews and great content to you. Now, firstly, please go to my website at www.alifeinmusic.com and sign up to the newsletter. This means you'll be the first to hear about new content on the site and new podcasts as they become available. There's also some exclusive benefits that come from time to time. Secondly, please review the podcast. This is incredibly important to me. It takes a couple of minutes and if you go onto the website you'll find some very simple instructions. Please leave me a great review. This is the best opportunity for me to get further exposure from iTunes. And thirdly, just spread the word. Tell people about the podcast and the website and get them to have a listen. And finally, thank you so much for listening and thank you for your support. We have listeners from all over the world. This podcast is for you and I do it for no monetary benefit whatsoever. This is my way of sharing my experiences and wisdom from a life in music. And now on to today's show. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Life in Music with Russell Scott. Now on today's show I'm interviewing another musical personality, someone who's really had a, an amazing life in music as a voice coach, as a singer and performer, a reality television show judge and regular TV panellist here in the UK. This is my interview with the amazing Zoe Tyler. So a very warm welcome to Zoe Tyler, who I'm talking to. I'm based in London and Zoe right now is in a very beautiful place called Celebration in the heart of Florida. So it's uh, whilst it's good afternoon here in the UK, it's good morning to Zoe. Morning. It's very early here. Yes, you're it's, correct. <laughs> it's like what, 20 past eight in the morning or something? <clears throat> it's 20 past eight in the morning. Yes, I haven't warmed up yet. <laughs> <laughs> Blue sky, sun. Yes. Palm trees. Palm trees. So no wind. So you've been living out there how long now? I've been here for a year. Wanted to just escape a little bit, try something different. Um, I manage a lot of singers, so it didn't really matter where I was. So I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go to the sunshine and uh, see how we go. Um, and I love it. Well, who wouldn't? I'm not freezing. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely freezing right now where mm. I'm sitting. So, Zoe, so let's start right at the beginning. Tell tell us a little bit about your life and sort of how you got into 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 music. 
Well, uh, ever since the age of dot, really, that's all I ever wanted to do. Um, I started learning instruments. I was a violinist. Uh, started at the age of eight and did all the grades um, and was going to be a violinist. That was going to be my job. Then I played the piano and cello alongside it, but the violin was always my strong point. But then I sort of found that I preferred singing at 15. And I was living in Birmingham, so I went to college, did my A-levels in music, drama, etc. But at the same time, I was always gigging. Now, gigging in those days <laughs> wasn't very glamorous. My dad used to haul me around up to Blackpool, etc. And I used to do um, all the working men's clubs, social clubs. But let me tell you, I earned a fortune at 16, 17 <laughs> years old. I used to do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, two 45-minute spots, learnt my craft. I could control an audience at 16 like you wouldn't believe. So that was my, my sort of my job. And then I used to sit in these crummy dressing rooms and put my hands over my face and think, I'm, one day I'm going to be in Les Miserables. One day... I am going to be in that show. Um, and then um, I was 18 at the time, and there was an audition for Opportunity Knox. Bob Says, the gorgeous Bob Bunkers. I remember it well. And, yeah, I loved it. And so my dad and I went down, auditioned, and I got on the show. And I sang out here on my own from fame, <laughs> a bit of Irene Cara. <clears throat> and, um, and I did really well. And I got a call from Cameron McIntosh's office asking me to come down um, and sing for them. So I was like, oh, my God, so scared. So we went to London and um, and I remember getting there. It was really funny because I remember getting there and there was like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. They'd asked me to come down on an open audition day. So by the time I got there, they shut the door and said, that's it, we're full. And I thought, and I was quite meek and mild at that point. I was very young. I was 18. And I thought, do I walk away now? Um, so I thought, no. So I went to this pub, um, put a couple of 10 pences in the um, in the phone box and phoned the number of Cameron Macintosh's office of Nick Allett, I think. And I said, um, I'm so sorry to bother you, but you told me to come down after seeing on Opportunity Knocks and I can't get in best thing I ever did because they said oh we're really sorry come back to the stage door and we'll let you in now that was so out of character for me but because it, I was you know but it just shows how how important having a bit of guts is bit of guts changed everything um so <clears throat> I auditioned but they did say to me you know what we really like you but you're a little too young so I was only 18 come back next year so I did went back next year then they said okay still feel like you're a little bit too young but it was difficult because my voice was always so mature. So as though they were probably looking at an eponine, vocally I was always uh, Fontaine. It was it was very difficult to place me. So then I went back again when I was 20 um, and they said they'd like to offer me the job of um, first cover Fontaine and Factory Girl. And so moved down to London and I just thought I was in heaven. I just could not believe it. The first time I got to play... Fontaine. I phoned my mum and uh, my dad. My mum had a hairdresser shop. She literally shut the shutters. Somebody threw everybody out with wet hair and said, my daughter's on tonight, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now that was clearly life-changing. That was a huge step into the sort of big worldwide of, uh, worldwide of, uh, of uh, yes. professional musical theatre. Um, I think 
everything. I had the best director in the world called Matt Ryan, who taught me everything. Because although I'd been to college, it, it you know, it was different. It was different for me. You know, I was a gigger. I, you know, I was doing other things. He taught me how to be a West End actress and to believe in myself and do things differently. And I learned everything um, in those two years that I stayed in that show. Everything. And you, you obviously had a natural talent. Um, did you, Were your parents musical at all? Do you have any brothers and sisters? Was there sort of music in the family? Yes, mum used to be a singer when she was younger. She still sings. She's got a lovely voice. Um, my dad was a singer and a drummer. My sister's tone deaf. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I grew up with music everywhere. And but, must... like, powerless vocalists, like Elaine Page, my dad was a big fan, Shirley Bassey, so it's no wonder I sing what I sing. <laughs> and you must have thought at that point, I've made it, I've got my big break, this is it now. So what happened during those sort of two years, and what happened at the end? I mean, what, what happened at the end of the two years? Does it just stop? What happened <clears> next? Well, it was a different world. I joined a different world, completely different to me. People were different. I wasn't used to the theatricalness of some people. And they can be quite harsh, trust me. There were some vile people that I came across in that cast that I just thought, oh, I don't know how to deal with this. I was just a northern, normal girl. And so it's a, it's a completely different thing. Um, so I had to fight my way and gather strength because you have to be strong. You have to be strong, otherwise you just get left to the side so um so then yeah I was I got a good agent at that point <clears throat> who came to see me when I was on Miss Fontaine um and then towards the end I knew I'd sort of run my course um and so then you then I started auditioning for the stuff that my agent got for me um and I think what did I do I went into uh David Ian's concert version of Jesus Christ Superstar with Paul Nicholas and uh, had again a different experience brilliant do you think do you think people think once they've they've got a role in the West End that's it for life and they've made it um I think probably some people do yeah um and it's not like that the the reality was I never earned such little money in my life I was earning a lot of money as a cabaret singer, a lot of money in those days. I mean, we're talking over 20 years, 20 years now. Um, I was, you know, I was probably earning 300, 400 pounds a week just doing one night as three nights. I'm going to the chorus for 350 pounds a week then. I was like, I'm paying a rent in a flat that I had to move to London from Birmingham. I thought, this is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like money-wise, you know, if people just think it's sort of, you know, when you go into the West End, it's all about earning lots of money. They're completely wrong. Unless, you know, unless you get a good role and you're a lead and you're, and you're a name. But that takes, you know, you've got to start at the bottom. Some people are lucky they go straight in. I think you have to learn your craft. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. And you you vocal coach as well. When did that all begin? Because that, that's that's something that, that, that you've been doing yeah. for a long time and, and, and coaching singers. I had a very, very, very good teacher um, called Pauline Alder, who was a opera singer in Birmingham. She taught me from the age of 15. She didn't particularly like my belty belt, but she she taught me some amazing techniques. And when I was in, um, in Les Mis, and probably the next couple of shows that I did, people would come up to me and say, oh, you know, what, your belt's so high, can you help me with this note? So I'd help people and, and say, okay, do this, do this, change your, change your larynx, you know, you, you, you're not using your diaphragm. And it just sort of started like that. And then um, by the time I was doing Fame, 
um, all the all the dancers would say, oh, you know, before the show, could you fit me in a uh, you know a good uh, half an hour? And I just sort of fell into it really. And then Andrew Lloyd Webber's, um, I, I think just word just gets around. I was known as the fixer, so they, I used to then just go and help people hit notes that they thought they couldn't hit. Um, and that's how it started, really. And then you ended up actually on the panel of uh, of the BBC One program. How do you solve a problem like Maria? What was that experience like? Oh God, no! That was a pinch me moment. <laughs> that was a. I kept looking down at my hat, especially when they said to me, um, "Well, no, originally I was going to be the vocal coach. That was all. Not even on screen." So I thought that was a lovely job. I was pleased with that. That was enough for me. I thought brilliant. And then the last minute. Um, they lost Denise Van Outen. And so they said, uh, we want to screen test you tomorrow. And I was like, what? what? Um, and so I went in, it was between me and another vocal coach. And um, they said, yeah, just just, just be quite hard. <laughs> I thought, I'll be wherever you want me to be, love. <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> so, um, and then, yeah, I remember the moment they called and said, yeah, we'd like to add you onto the panel with the Lord. I thought, no. And I just remember the first day we were filming with him. And then there was another moment when we went to his house filming in Ireland, in uh, in his castle, you know, as you do. Everyone has a castle. Of course. Um, yes. And uh, we were sitting in his lounge and there was me, Jason Donovan, Denise, John Barrowman, Denise Bonatton, and Louis Walsh came over for dinner. And we were jamming at the piano and I was singing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm jamming with the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jamming with the Lord. I wish my dad could see me now. <laughs> He'd be so proud. So um, it was it was amazing and it was hard. It was hard work because the first one was sort of a trial. So I had the girls 12 hours a day on my own running the whole Maria school. I had no help. It was just purely, it, I was absolutely exhausted, but exhilarated when it came on to... Um, onto the TV and then horrified at the same time when I realised what editing meant. Because <laughs> <laughs> these things are, are heavily edited, we know that. Yeah, made me out to be a lot uh, harder than I, um, than I am. <laughs> Let's uh, say that. Because <laughs> I think these programmes can tend to be very hard, but I think, I think they're there for a reason. I mean, they do a job, you know. We're, it, it's edited to, to, for the audiences to... You know, think of it in a certain way to perceive it in a certain way, and we know from talking to various artists and and various creatives that it's not always like that when they're really filming. No, gosh, no, 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 no. I mean, there there was one girl who's I mean, who's a West End leading lady now, Siobhan Dillon, absolutely beautiful, gorgeous. She was one of the Marias, and I I remember the, the her auditioning, and she sang, and I went. I can't bear you. You are so gorgeous. So that that was how, and I was just all over like a rash. I thought she was marvellous. And then it said, coming up next week, the first episode of How Do You Solve a Problem? Like Maria. And then there was a clip of me. She sang and I went, I can't bear you. And that was it. <laughs> and that's just very typical of editing, isn't it? They and that they the press do that all the time. They take the bits that they want to make it, you know, controversial. No control over it, none. But they just made me laugh, and I thought, oh, this is how it's going to be. Then is it? So that was a massive wake up call to the to the entry of my eight years on television. It must, <laughs> I got used to it. It must have been very exciting every week doing those live shows. 
so scared. David E and I, so I used to grab each other's hands and squeeze and go, oh my God, here we go. Especially on the first two, we were like, you know, it was so scary because you've got no time to fluff. You start umming and ahhing. You sort of know, you know, um, to an extent what you think you're going to say, but it was very scary. So I was, I was really proud of myself to do live TV, you know, um, <clears throat> in such a critical, uh, a critical way. <laughs> and I, and I, I think that, um, Again, I think it's made to look very easy and very natural, and it's equally made to look like the judges are quite arrogant, really. But actually, you're all pretty much down to earth. Was 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 Andrew Lloyd Webber very down to earth as well? He was so lovely and down to earth. I mean, just a genius. And you know, we disagreed. We disagreed a lot. I mean, we had a massive falling out over Daniel Boys. A massive falling out. All of us, we just thought it would, you know. And he cared that we that we thought you know, that we completely disagreed with him. He cared. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course, I you know I used to take it home with me. I, I worried about the girls. They were you know I worried about the boys and Joseph. I worried, you know, I took everything home with me because it was my life. And they were but both, I absolutely loved it. They were both very successful programs, and in fact, the the BBC do have very credible talent shows, and still to this day, with the with the the new one, Let It Shine. How do you think that compares to the the Maria and the Joseph programs? I think the Maria and Joseph program was the first um, of its kind, <clears throat> and. Um, we got a lot of criticism for it, a lot of criticism. And I actually remember went to I went to a BAFTA party <clears throat> with Graham, excuse me, with Graham Norton. And um, there was an actor, a very famous actor. And somebody said, oh, could I have a, t- could I have a picture? Um, and it, it introduced me to him. And he went, oh, yeah, you're the, uh, you're the woman on the, um, on the, t- the casting programme, aren't you? No, sorry, don't agree with it. And just left me hanging. <laughs> I know, this is like a really famous actor. And I'm thinking, okay, all right. Oh, my God, is that how people are seeing it? So it was a bit of a worry, but it was the first of its kind. You know, it was different. And I think it. it I think everybody loved it. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, then they kept making more and different versions. I've not seen Let It Shine, so I can't comment. Of course, because you're in the States, you wouldn't necessarily see it from, uh, see it from there. And... Uh, after after the the Maria program, the next thing that happened TV wise that was big for you was was this big opportunity on Loose Women, the magazine <laughs> daytime show. Now that was that was controversial in itself, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I went on as a guest uh, when I was on uh, Joseph to talk about the show. So <clears throat> I sat in between these four strong girls. I know I knew Denise Welsh from years ago. Um, I met her one night when I was doing Fame on tour and we stayed friends ever since. She was a big fan of the show. And um, so I went in to talk about the boys, you know, uh, it was very, I was, I was quite nervous, but I knew what the show was about and I knew it was sort of on my street, chatty, girly, you know, to the point. <laughs> and, um, and so we had quite a laugh on that. And then at the end of it, one of the girls said, I think it was Colleen Nolan said to me, you know, they're looking for new, uh, a couple of new presenters. I'm like, are they? She's like, yeah, 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 you should come. You should, you know, try it. And I thought, nah, I'm never going to get that. <laughs> and um, so I went for a screen test again. And they said they'd um, <clears throat> they'd trial me. So I went and, and, and trialed. And that was it. And I thought, and I remember saying to my mum that night, do you know what, it would be really lovely if I could stay on this show for six months. Four and a half years later, <laughs> I'm still selling my, still selling my soul. <laughs> was it fun? They- was it a fun programme to do? 
massively fun massively fun but you get I got into trouble very uh, all the time all the time getting into trouble with my family members my ex <laughs> why why into trouble because you forget and you're telling things you, you know when you, I'm a very open person anyway so being on that program makes you even more um sort of dangerously honest um and so you share stories but you don't you don't drop names and then your phone rings as soon as you come off air going I knew you were talking about me you know like and you have to lie your way out of it but um you know it was it was amazing I had the best four and a half years we got treated like queen we went to every premiere there was you know it was just amazing it really was amazing it was a massive platform for me and change you know and again changed my life but I did miss singing I mean through doing all of this I used to beg Every TV show that I went on, as you say, I am a singer. I actually am <laughs> a singer. My first job is I am a vocalist singer. So I then got to sing on Loose Women eventually. In the end, when um, I played Eva Cassidy, I got an opportunity. So, you know, you can't just launch into song at the end of Loose Women for no reason, unfortunately. <laughs> so I had the opportunity and then I was happy because I got to sing on the show. And of course, in 2014, I happen to remember you performing in this amazing uh, concert performance of Godspell at the Lyric Theatre on Shaftesbury Avenue. That was fabulous. What fun and what an amazing cast. Oh, wow. I mean, I remember actually thinking, these voices are insane. This talent is insane in this room. Um, and it was, yeah, we it was just brilliant. It, it was great. Um and I loved, yeah, I loved, I loved the songs that I got to sing. Um, great vocal challenge. I think I had a cold, didn't I? <laughs> you did. I remember well. I remember the first time you came into the room and we we did a run through. The uh, day before. <laughs> and I remember your face when we were getting to all the difficult bits and you had seen the music for the first time. <laughs> I like, oh my God, what are we doing? What is this? Yeah. But we had a lot of fun and it was a... It's always good to have a vocal challenge. Always Absolutely. good. And it was a, a, uh, it was hugely challenging and very exciting and, and was a it was a great it was a great show that night. It was really fantastic. I have such very fond memories of working with you on that. It was it was oh, great. So so since then, now you you you've done a lot of cruise work, um and uh you've it's also ever. Uh, ever. Uh, with regardless of what I've been doing, even on four and a half years of loose women. I never stopped cruising. In between, I would always cruise like three a year, three, four a year if I could fit it in because I love doing my own show with an orchestra behind me. I love the sea. <laughs> um, I like nice wine and nice food. Um, and I just uh, it, I just love it. Um, and so <clears throat> I've never stopped doing it. So it's always been there at the back. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and now I, they asked me to help them find some acts about four years ago. Um, and I thought, do you know what? I know so many amazing singers. This is a great job for me. So I started creating acts, um, managing acts, and, and now it's just, yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy. But I love it. because I love it because I like to nurture. I like to nurture acts. I like to... Um, get them out there and make them successful because then I feel that I've done the right job. And it's, it's a case of juggling between your own performances and, and managing, managing acts and their performances, presumably. Yeah. I manage 35 acts, 35, 35-ish acts, all vocalists, uh, apart from a couple. Um, and uh, yeah, 
um, I'm, I manage very well. It's easy to manage things, you know, when the sun shines. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not sitting freezing by the fire. It's quite easy to manage it outside on the hammock. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I'd cope with that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, just talking generally now about about performance performers generally, you must have had some pretty tough times throughout your career. I mean, every perform just about every performer has tough times. They have ups and downs. It's it's a very fickle industry. It's a very difficult industry. It's an industry that that we love and we probably wouldn't do anything else. Um, but what what sort of challenges have you faced throughout your career? Oh, I've had my heart broken time and time again. Um, there was one role that um, I, I think it was Ellen in Miss Saigon. And I'd finished touring, I'd finished this, and it came up. And I thought, right, I can sing. I can sing that. That is me. I can do that. I want that role. And uh, I remember the day before the audition, um, I went in and um, I... I, I I remember thinking, oh, I, I, I was always thinking, should I go with a blooming blonde wig because I'm so dark? And I thought, they'd never, I, you know, sometimes casting directors can't see through that. They can a bit more now, but years ago, I was used to think that they either they looked at you, they either saw the role or didn't before you open your mouth. Um, and uh, I never got it. So I was, um, I never got it. So I just, uh, I was devastated, actually, really devastated. And one role that I should have got and I never did in my life, can't do it now because I'm too old, um, my big regret ever is Rizzo in Greece because I was that girl. I was her. So I was, yeah, that, that's my, that's, that's one role that I should have got years ago but I didn't I always used to get down to the last two and never never got it I used to be livid how do you deal with it how do you deal with the disappointment and the the put downs takes about four hours to get over and then you get over it but four hours of fury um uh, upset and then you just you have to you just have to um you know, I mean, I think, gosh, how would I have felt if I'd have come out of the BBC and they'd said, no, we've gone for another one, they've gone for another vocal coach. You know, it was before that I'd, I'd become strong. I'd become strong for many reasons. I'd become strong because I had to fight. You have to fight and be strong in the West End. Um, and like I said, I was a normal brummy girl, cabaret singer, done a bit of musical theatre. I had to deal with some massive, horrible egos that thought they were better than me. Um, in fact, vocally they weren't. Um, they just had different training and came from different walk, a walk of life. So I had to fight my way up and trust me, I fought and, and got stronger and stronger. Um, and, you know, that's you just you, you have to be, you have to be strong, even though it, it, it hurts. It's uh, if, if it's in you and if you can hear the violins, I always say if, when you close your eyes and you're singing a song and if you can hear the violins, you can't give up. Yeah, and that's inspiring to hear because I, you know, so many artists, you know, keep trying and keep trying and keep trying, and they don't make the progress that they really want to make. They don't, they don't get the roles they really want, and eventually they just give up because they can't afford to do it. And yeah, that's... and I get that. Yeah, I get that. Um, I think there's also got to be, you know, a sense of reality and a sense of admission that perhaps it's not for you. But I mean, you know, it depends how good you are. I know some insanely amazing vocalists and actresses and they're not getting the work they deserve but the problem is there's thousands and thousands of people 
leaving stage schools all the time, replacing. And it is, it's just a cycle and we get replaced. You know, we get older, we can't play those roles anymore. Unfortunately, you can't fight age, you just can't do it. So it is an acceptance at the same time. But when you're young, you've got, you got to fight. You've got to give yourself a good 10 years of fighting. Um, but you don't have to. I mean, what made you want to fight? Where was your inspiration? Why? What made you just keep going and keep going and keep going no matter what? Because I think that's my personality, to be honest. I'm not, uh, you know, when it, in my life, massive, you know, horrendous things have happened. And, I, and I'm on the floor and I actually get up. I get up and I make myself get up and get over it, even though I don't want to. <clears throat> but I think that's that's probably my personality. But because what else was I going to do? Go back to Birmingham and start and pick up my microphone and get back into the working men's clubs? Absolutely no way I was going to do that. No way because I knew that I knew that I belonged there. Um, but I was lucky. See, the, I, I read music. I was a sight reader, so I never had to do the in-between jobs. I went off and did recording work. I was a session singer, so that really helps. And I would say that thank God for my dad making me do all those music lessons, because I would go into a musical um, and we'd, le- we'd 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 get the music, and I would be the only person that sight read music. And that puts you in a completely different level to everybody else. Um, so you can go and earn money doing other things, you know. And that's, um, so that's, that's, that's what's key. I mean, I, I, I was exactly the same. I learned to sight read and the, it opened huge amounts of doors for me. Um, yeah. as, as my career was progressing, it gave me opportunity <laughs> to do sessions and films and soundtracks and go in yeah. and just walk in and, and sight read something and sing it and that. And now, you know, I, I'm vocal coaching as well and I'm able to help students because of that skill that I've picked up as well. And I, the, the problem for me, what, what really annoys me, is that in drama schools now, they don't teach anything like that. They don't teach theory of music. They don't teach understanding scores. They don't teach sight reading. And so unless, yeah. unless parents actually direct their children yeah. as they're growing up to learn how to do this thing, they will never get that skill because they'll realize they need it when it's too late, when they're trying to get out there to, to work. Yeah, I know. And it, it, I mean, it is important. I mean, I hated I hated my dad sometimes for <clears throat> dragging me to my music lessons when all my friends were out playing. But you know what? Thank God he did. I mean, thank God he did. You know, learning an instrument is key, I think. Learning an instrument for a young child is absolute key to um, <clears throat> to moving on to It's just a musicality that you need. Um, and it helps. And so, like I said, never, I never had to you know, go and work in box offices and um, like my friends did. I was very, very lucky. And I used to think, thank God for that, yeah. you know, because yeah. <clears throat> I'd pick up the phone and, and be able to earn money elsewhere. You know, nothing wrong with, you know, with, with, with that, but it was an easy escape for me. Do you think it's ever too late? Do you, I mean, I don't mean too late to start, but what about what about the people out there that, that train and they, they, you know, they start auditioning, they get jobs, and then maybe for... for um, ladies, they they find a husband, they get married, they have kids, and then they want to get back into it. Do you think it's too tough to get back in at that stage? Do you think it's ever too late? <laughs> uh, depends if you've kept your contacts. Uh, uh, you know, you've got it business business wise. Um, if you if you've kept up your contacts, and that unfortunately is all about that, then then the, the, then you can try. I mean, there's only there's few things left, really, <clears throat> for an aging woman, darling. Um, Mamma Mia, <laughs> um, what else I can think of? But you know, it depends how old you are. It depends how good you look, and it depends how good good you still are, really. 
And do you think do you think there is great importance in having an agent? I mean, you see this as running a business. I, I do, I'm the same. I've always seen it. This is my career, but this is my business. I'm in I'm in control of my destiny. I create my opportunities, and that's all very well and good. But equally, if you've got an agent, presumably that can open doors as well and gives you another yet another another yeah, chance. Yeah, I I, I auditioned um, and open. And I, I didn't have an agent for a year. Um, <clears throat> and I went and got myself an agent. And I made sure that it was it was a good agent at the time. Um, I think it's it's very important. Yeah, I do. I think it's important if you want to stay a jobbing uh, actor, um, singer, then, then you do. Yes, absolutely. But how do, you, how do you get an agent if you're not in something? How do you get seen? It, it, yeah, but you can. I mean, the thing is, it's tough. You can actually. What I say to people is, you know what? Go and go and record something in front of a camera, because visual does it every time. You know, I get sent so many recordings. I'm like, what? Well, what am I going to do with that? I can't even see you. I can't see what what you know what that what the audience would be looking at. So there are ways. Yeah, there are. But you've you know you've you've, you've got to get out there. And do it. I know so many people that cre- they never stop working because they are busy. They don't sit on their asses. They don't. They get up and they've got uber amounts of energy. You cannot sit back and wait because it will not happen to you. How do you look and after I- yourself? I mean, how do you how do you keep yourself top of the top of the game? Um, well, I'm not really a big drinker, I have to say. Um, I don't go out and get smashed. I'm actually rubbish. <laughs> I'm free to all the reports of, you know, and all the pictures of me and the loose women coming out sozzled. I, I'd add half a glass. Trust me, that was it. And yes, I was sozzled. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. What I tend to do is the night before I sing, I have a very early night. I don't go out. Um, sleep for me. Sleep is key. If I don't sleep, I can't sing. End of. So if I'm flying somewhere far and wide, I need at least three days to recover jet lag before I can sing. I just can't sing. My voice goes to sleep. Um, and I steam a lot. Steam a lot. Um, and if I feel like I'm getting ill, then I eat um, raw garlic. No friends, but hey, it works. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any big projects coming up? Anything exciting going on? What's your next? What's your sort of next six months looking like? Oh, my next six months is, uh, it's crazy. Um, I'm coming over to do uh, another showcase, which where, where I show my new acts off. Um, I'm actually going to come over for the whole summer. I'm going to try and get myself some cabaret work while I'm there because I'm home, home for like five weeks. So I'd like to, I miss, I miss my little cabaret gigs. I did a few at the Hippodrome um, last year and I really loved it. I had a great time. So, um yeah, when I'm there, I'd like to perform. Um, and then um, I will be getting my green card in May. So who knows? I mean, does Broadway beckon at some point? Maybe. Is that your does... dream job? Is that what you'd love to do? No, it blooming isn't. <laughs> we get it so much easier in the, in the West End. Now they know how to work hard, these Americans, let me tell you. No alternates for them. You've got to be joking. What's the alternate? What does that mean? They don't do it. They do it. They do it or not. That's the difference. So I'm not sure I could cope with that. Would you like to? Would you like to have a go on Broadway? I'd, I'd like, yeah. Yeah, I think so. When I'm ready. I think, you know, I did 17, I did, well, 17, 20 years of working every night, never having a life. And when you're a girl and you've got a child, 
it's you know you treasure those evening times with with your family and I'm still not ready at the moment to go back to lose that every night I'm not um I may be in a couple of years but right now I'm not I've done it I've done my time and right now I'm on to another project which is managing um and still doing my shows the thought of I don't know the thought of never never being able to have an evening now with my family you know it's a hard it's a hard it's a hard ask isn't it you don't have a life you don't have an evening life I, I remember used to driving to Les Mis in the pitch black dark in the cold in the winter while everybody was coming home to have a dinner with their families and then when we're thinking this is like opposite upside down version of normal life yeah it is. um yeah. And it's fine when you're young. I mean, who cares? It's brilliant. Out on the town, um, sleeping until midday. Fabulous. God, it's not, it's not easy when you've got children. No, it's not. And it's, uh, so, it's funny because I've, I've been very fortunate. I've never been out of work in my life in the music industry. I've, I've loved every minute. I still love every minute. But I've never wanted to do the eight shows a week. I've never done West End. I've coached plenty of people going into the West End. I've worked behind the scenes as a creative. And I've never, I've never wanted to do the eight shows a week because... I want to be more in control than that and I want to be able to do other things and I want to be able to have a, a social life. I want to be able to do the one-off concerts. I want to be able to do lots of other things. But it yeah. suits some people, but it doesn't suit others. And I think for those people that have got a, a good business mind and a very entrepreneurial mind, like yourself, like me, and like many yeah. others, we kind of want to, we want the flexibility. Um, whereas some people like the, the routine of having a specific job. They do it as you did years ago for many, many years. You, 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 you do your eight shows a week. It was your dream. But, yeah. you know, some people are happy to stay in one thing for years and years and years. I'm not that girl. I'm not. I'm very itchy feet. And I've been incredibly lucky to start. And I went from West End to television um, for eight and a half years and I've just done the most amazing things the things that you dream of when you're a child you know um, red carpets and <laughs> uh, paps and all those things you think are never going to happen to you I've done it and there was never a day where I wasn't thankful and, and I was appreciate I appreciated every single day of the success that I had um, and you know and now I'm just I'm, 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 I'm trying something else it's going amazingly well is I'm very busy with it, um, and I can still sing whenever I want to sing. Um, and right now, this is okay for me. Um, would I turn something down if I got offered it? I don't know. It would depend what it was. Of course. You know, So, but I'm happy right now where I am. And what, so. artists, what artists have inspired you? I mean, who do you look up, now, up to now and think, amazing singer, you still, you, know, you still are inspired by watching them, by listening? God, um... I love so many singers. I mean, I really do. Um, I'm a massive... <laughs> why am I laughing when I say this? Like, I'm embarrassed and I don't know why. I'm a massive Celine Dion fan. I could listen to her voice every day. Um, and I actually need to go to Vegas to see her, don't I? It's not far. Up not the road. Far. Not far. Um Yeah, I'm a massive, I'm a massive fan of her. Um, I'll tell you who else I'm a massive fan of. Um, just for her talent, and I went to see her in Legally Blonde uh, um, at the Savoy. I'm a massive Sheridan Smith fan. I just think her stage presence, her talent, her acting, I mean, it, everything. She had everything for me. I'm a massive fan of her, yeah. Um, I don't know. I love Josh Groban. I like all sorts of music, me. I like a good open vowel. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm the same. 
nice warm chocolate open vowel sounds yeah. i'm all for yeah. it yeah. um so yeah <laughs> and just just one last question if there were three three tips you could offer people there would be three yeah. things if you just got you know every single person lined up and you could offer them three generic tips on how yeah. to really make it in this industry what would they be uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Fingers in pies mean a lot, um, and they meant a lot to me, and it paid my bills. So fingers in pies. You've got to have self-belief. Um, you've got to believe that you can get it and go and get it, and you you will get it if you're good enough. <laughs> if you're not, then you won't. But if you are good and you know you're good, then actually, you know, without being big-headed and arrogant, tell yourself, I know I'm better than them. Um, and um, sort of energy, energy, people lack energy. And if you haven't got energy, trust me, you'll get nothing, nothing. Those days where you just can't be bothered, dig deep, dig deep, you know, um, energy. I think, you know, energy equals sort of self-confidence in a way. And it's all, it's all in one. I mean, if I hadn't picked up that phone at that pub next to the Palace Theatre, I'd never have done that. And so I just thought, all right, my shoulders were down. I thought I'll go and get back on the train then. And then I it, it just found something that thought, no. So it's, you know, energy equals being a fighter. Fight, fight your way. Fight your way. There's, you only get one chance in life, don't you? Absolutely. So, yeah, probably at that, yeah. Very Tyler, thank you so much for spending the time today. I can see it's, I can see I'm, I've got a video there and I can see that blue sky and sun beckoning. So thank you so much. Have a great day and thank you very much for, uh, for talking to us. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for today's show. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Don't forget to check out the website at www.alifeinmusic.com. Subscribe to the podcast and please continue to spread the word. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget, be your very best.